Hi, this is Pastor James Strickland, and you are listening to our sermon cast for Homeland Park Baptist Church. Suffering is part of the Christian experience. Now, the thing is with suffering is that it's not always, we think suffering may be, we, we miss out on a job promotion or somebody makes fun of us or they say a mean thing on social media but there are places in the world where persecution is so great people are losing their family and even losing their lives but the thing is as a believer in Jesus Christ you should not be surprised when suffering happens because Jesus he was the suffering servant and if we are following him sometimes that plays a factor in that. I remember back when I was a, a wee little bitty boy, not too little, I was in high school, college age, and my youth pastor introduced me to a book called uh, Making Jesus Lord by Barry St. Clair. And basically, to give you the, the overview of that, basically, nobody has a problem accepting Jesus as their Savior. That is a, a one-time thing where you pray and God comes into your heart, and then you feel like you're never going to have a problem again. But that's not the case. Making Jesus Savior is a big step. That's where you say, no longer me, but thee. Where you say, God, come into my life, save me, and help me to walk again. That's great. But this whole Lord thing means not only giving your life to Jesus for salvation, but also giving your life to Jesus in your daily will, in your daily wants. And the thing is, is that when you do that... You're going to realize, and some of you have already realized that, that the address for Christian living is not 101 Easy Street, is it? Um, I remember back, uh, we pick up Peter's letter today, after his instructions to the church to live holy lives by submitting themselves to the authorities that were over them. We talked about how we need to submit as Christians to our employers, to, in our marriages, and to the government. It doesn't mean that we need to take care of, I mean, we need to submit to things that are not biblical, but those things that are the law of the land, we, we have to be good citizens of that. And so Peter knew that the challenges would come to all those who believe in Jesus Christ. And the truth of the matter is, every believer here today has struggles. And whether you're sitting in your car or you are uh, out in a lawn chair or maybe watching by way of video, we all have struggles. And, and you may be, when I said that, just in that moment, that struggle came back and tried to take your focus off of this. But the thing is, every believer here today has struggles. You may not know that that person beside you is struggling, but God does. And Peter addresses the specific challenges it may encounter. The challenges are meant for us to, to glorify God and not to overtake us. And Peter gives us some great news this morning. So if you brought a copy of God's Word, I'm in First Peter chapter 3. I'm going to start with verse 13. And it says this, Now who will want to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you suffer for doing what is right, God will reward you for it. So don't worry or be afraid of their threats. I love it when the Bible says, so don't worry. Like, it's really easy, right? We know that worrying is kind of hard, but hard not to worry, that is. But the thing is, is that if you are a Christian, God will bless you as you bless others through your suffering. I want to promise you, and I, I've seen this in my life, and you have, some of you have seen it firsthand. When you are suffering, sometimes you're, you're, you're on a rough walk, and you're just taking day by day. 
but the people around you see that. I remember back when we had our church bus wreck and my parents died. And, and I mean, I was just kind of like a walking zombie. All of you were, were so great to encourage me. And I had so many people to tell me that, you know, the, they saw the way I was handling it. And it gave them encouragement in their problems. Well, part of me says, well, I wish I wouldn't have given you that opportunity because that's, that's hard working. But the truth of the matter is, if my pain blesses somebody else, and more importantly, if my suffering can give God glory, then how much better than that? Because there are so many people here today that are suffering for no reason. They're suffering because of their own selfish decisions. They are suffering because they are giving in to the devil's demands on their life rather than the Lord. So at least as a Christian, when we suffer, there is purpose. And so like anything else, when we see tragedies in our news feeds, we feel for those that are going through it. But you know, honestly, sometimes it doesn't have a direct impact on us. I remember for years before I moved to Wilmington, I would see hurricanes and I would hear hurricanes warnings. And where I was from, we may get some tornadoes, we may get some tropical storms, but I've never been living on the coast when we have a hurricane. When you're living on the coast, it's a whole different thing. You take those warnings a lot more seriously. And the thing is, is that when it comes to suffering, we may not be suffering a whole lot now. But one day we will. And there are people that are suffering just because we don't see it or we, or we see it, but we don't feel it doesn't mean that it's not going on. Just like in our community here, we see a lot of people that are suffering. But do you feel it? Does it move you? Does it burden your heart? You see, though Peter says that Christians will always uh, answer evil with good, he also lived in the real world. And he knew that people often repay good with an evil response. I tell you what, if you just want to get a good list of what things you should do and attitudes you should have, there is no better place than Matthew 5 where Jesus is teaching on the Sermon on the Mount and he's doing the Beatitudes. These are attitudes that you are supposed to be as, as a Christian. And Matthew 5, 5 says, God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. Matthew 5, 9 says, God blesses those who work for peace. For they will be called the children of God. Folks, to be a peacemaker and a mediator and to resolve conflicts between two parties, that is something that only God can do. And if we are a believer that thinks we have to get even with everybody else that persecutes us, we are burning bridges for other people to know the gospel. Think about it. If you blow up with somebody, your opportunity to tell them about Jesus is pretty much all but gone. And so that's what the devil knows that. And so he wants us to think that we need to repay evil with evil. But that, that does not help. We just end up playing the game. And kind of a life point here is that uh, I'm going to, I'm sorry, we'll switch mics. This feels like it's a little clearer, maybe. Check one, two. Check one, two. Okay. I tell you, the way the sound is bouncing, it's really messing with me, but y'all are probably going to be okay. Okay. All right, so the life point. When you answer evil with evil, you are escalating the situation, causing more damage to the situation. And like I said, you're burning bridges. I mean, think about it. When you get in an argument with somebody, somebody starts the argument... 
Na 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 na. And then you come in. Na 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 na. Then they come in. Na 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 na. And before you know it, everybody's yelling at each other, and you forgot why you started in the first place. That is not what we need to do as believers. Peter says that if you suffer, if you suffer, God will reward you. He says in Matthew ten twenty eight. He says. Don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body. They cannot touch your soul. Fear only God who can destroy both soul and body in hell. What that means is why do we spend all of our lives trying to impress others and fear what others think about us when all the while there is nobody on this earth that has the power to keep you out of hell? That is only Jesus Christ. But why do we spend so much time trying to please everybody else other than Jesus? But you know what? The thing is, is when we suffer, the Bible says that God's reward is eternal. Have you ever heard of the curse of the lottery? The curse of the lottery means that when people win a lot of money in a lottery, it can bring to them problems. They may not know how to handle that money. They start getting people coming out of the woodwork asking for money. It can also make their relationships with their families and friends difficult because now everybody's fighting over the money that you're getting. And so there are so many people that won the lottery that said, honestly, they wish they never would have won because their lives were ruined after that. So while getting rewards like riches, wealth, and love, and friends here on earth is important, folks, those things are important. Look, living the American dream, providing for your family, being able to have a vehicle to come to drive in church at, being able to support the church, support your family, and to do the work of God is very important. But I'm going to go ahead and tell you, of all those things that our, our driveways are filled with, our garages are filled with, our closets are filled with, those things that we had to have at that moment... <coughs> that consume all of our time, they are not eternal. The relationships you have today that are not rooted in Jesus Christ, they will not be there when you die in the afterlife. (coughs) That's sobering, isn't it? We don't need to be fearful of persecution now because the opinion of others do not have the power to keep you out of hell. So do not fear suffering. It is inevitable. If you are a Christian and you don't want to suffer, then you obviously don't know what a Christian is. It is inevitable. And here's the thing, folks. If you are suffering for your faith, I'm not saying that you're, you got a bad diagnosis at the doctor or it's raining on your birthday or something like that. Those are things that just happen because of life. But if someone's coming against you because of what you believe, Understand that is a confirmation that you are doing what you are supposed to do. Suffering is a confirmation that you have the faith you claim to have. If you never struggle, if you never suffer, my question would be why? Because does that mean that you're not putting yourself out there to let people know that you are a Christian so they don't know any better? Suffering is a stamp to show that our faith is genuine. Then we see in verses 15 through 17, we see that we need to be ready to give a reason for your hope to others. I don't know about y'all, but I know that hope is in short supply today, my friends. Hope does things like increases happiness. It will reduce your stress and it improves your quality of life. And hope helps us to cope with the stressors in life and it improves our well-being and promotes our healthy behavior. Remember a couple of years ago when, when COVID was here and we didn't know if it would ever leave. Do you remember the hopelessness in that? Wondering how much longer that could be? 
when there is no hope, folks, depression, low self-esteem, and suicide go through the roof. We saw that happen in COVID of 2020. But the thing is, as believers in Jesus Christ, we have the greatest hope that anybody could have. That is the hope of a Savior in Jesus Christ, meaning that no matter, no matter how bad this world gets, we have heaven awaiting for us. And Peter talked about that earlier in chapter 2. But in verses 15 through 17, again, if you have your copy of God's Word, look there. It says, instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. In other words, you must worship Him. You must go to church, but you must give Him the keys to your life for Him to drive you wherever He wants you to go. And he says, if someone asks you about your hope as a believer... Always be ready to explain it. But do this in a gentle and respectful way. Keep your conscience clear. Then if people speak against you, they will be ashamed when they see what a good life you live because you belong to Christ. Remember, it is better to suffer for doing good if that is what God wants than to suffer for doing wrong. Folks, so many believers, maybe even some of you here, are terrified to give a reason for your hope today. The same people that will tell all their friends about a coupon they found online will not say a word about the greatest hope that they found in Jesus Christ. If someone were to ask you today about your faith, what makes you different? What gives you hope as a believer? What would you say? Have you given any thought about it? Have you ever formulated a few accurate words to sum up your faith or describe the person of Jesus Christ? I'm willing to bet that you fall into one of these three categories of the top three reasons people do not share their faith. Number one, they don't have a faith. You cannot share something you don't have. Going to church every Sunday your whole life is not proof that you're a Christian. It's proof that you go to church every Sunday of your life. But if Jesus Christ is in your life and he gives you the hope and he has transformed your life, it's going to be out of the overflow that you share that with somebody else. So if you don't share your faith, the first faith, the first question is, do you have one? The second reason, people are afraid of rejection. What if they get mad at me? What if they don't call me anymore? What if they don't invite me to the parties? What if they don't? What if I get a? What if I? What if they kind of let me go at my job because I'm I'm talking about Jesus? What What about these things? There's a lot of fear in that, folks. Look, I'm not saying you got to go into your boss's office tomorrow, stand on top of the desk with a five-pound Walmart Bible and hit him over the head with it. That's not what we're saying. But what I'm saying is, is that if you are living a life that is different from all your peers, people are going to notice. And when they asked you, you could either share the reason for your hope, or you can clam up. Or you can invite them to church. But, first of all, if you don't share your faith, maybe you don't have it. Number two, you're scared of rejection. Or, number three, you just don't know what to say. I've heard a lot of people say, well, preacher, I don't know what to say about sharing my faith. And then I think people get intimidated. They don't know. Well, I don't know the verses to share. I don't know what to say in the Bible. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. If there's something you don't know, you're probably going to seek for information about it, right? How many times have you watched a YouTube video to get something done around your house? If you don't know how to share Christ, 
Have you ever asked the pastor to tell you how? Have you, have you ever Googled how to share faith? There are simple ways. And if all of that is too, too complicated for you, how about this? I'll tell you why I have hope today, my friend. It's because Jesus Christ came into my life. It doesn't mean I'm perfect, but I am forgiven. And every day I try to serve him. So the things of this world I know are temporary, but the things that I'm focusing on are the things above. And it gives me peace in the midst of this. You can just share the gospel and you haven't shared a verse. You haven't, I mean, you've just told them what the Lord has done in your life. So see, it's not rocket science. You can do it. If you want to know more about it, I will be glad to help you. Uh, there are resources. You can find a way to do it. But if you really want to share your faith, some of you will say, well, I'm not a people person. I'm not a, I'm not a public speaker like you, preacher. I can't do that. You don't have to share the gospel like this. You can share it across a lunch table at a restaurant. You can share it in a, a chat message. You can share it in just in a school pickup line or at a ball game with another parent. It doesn't have to be all preacher type. It can be just regular life. But the thing is, you're only going to share that hope if it makes a difference in your life. That leads me to my life point three. Sharing the gospel is not, to, not a preacher thing. It's a believer thing. There is nowhere in that passage that says, take this person to your preacher let him share the gospel. I'll be glad to. But it's not, hey, we paid a preacher to do that. It's an every believer thing that is supposed to do that. So when you're trying to live your life in a way that honors God, others will see the difference. They will wonder how you're staying calm in these, these tough times. But bottom line is, I promise you this, you can take this to the bank. If it doesn't happen, I'll give you your money back. I promise you, if you learn how to share your faith, you will. If you learn how to share your faith, you will. One of the main reasons you won't share your faith is because you don't know how to do it. So God's not going to put anybody in your path to do it if you don't know what to say, nor care to know what to say. Peter's saying, look, times are tough. You're going to suffer. So if you can suffer and still give reason for your hope, this is an opportunity for you. And then we see in verses 18 through 22, as we round the corner today, and we're, we're at third base now, we should expect suffering because we follow Christ. I think that's kind of like if you're arguing with somebody about church stuff, and the last thing that you do to stop the conversation is you say, well, Jesus did it. Like I know sometimes I'll say, Donna, I don't want to do that. And then she'll say, well, Jesus didn't want to die on the cross either, but he did it. You know? So I know then that, uh, that that conversation is over. So try that at home. See how that works. But it says in verse 18 that Christ suffered. Some manuscripts say that actually Christ died. He died for our sins once and for all time. This is huge, folks. He never sinned. He, but he died for sinners to bring you safely home to God. He suffered physical death, but then he was raised to life in the spirit. Folks, there is no other sacrifice or worshipful act that can please God enough to forgive you of your sins because that is what Jesus did. Jesus sacrificed his life once and for all. 
even if you are a good person, folks, even if you get the Nobel Prize, even if you die doing a heroic act of saving a hundred babies out of a hospital, even if you do all of these great things in this world, it's still not a substitute for the blood of Jesus Christ. Verses 19 through 20, this gets kind of, I wish we were in the sanctuary so we could drill down on this, but uh, maybe if you want to hear more about it, you'll study it or I'll be glad to go over with you. But here we go. Verses 19 through 20, it says, so he went and preached to the spirits in prison. Those who who disobeyed God long ago when God waited patiently while Noah was building his boat. Only eight people were saved from the drowning in that terrible flood. Some translations say through or saved through water. Some people use this passage to infer what Jesus did during the time that his body was in the grave. We know three things for sure about the spirits that are mentioned in verse 19. And here is a very broad brush approach to that. What were the spirits? We know that number one... They were not physical beings. They were spirits. Number two, these spirits were imprisoned. And then number three, their sin was committed before the flood. So who were the spirits? There's two theories. Number one, the spirits in prison were fallen angels and demons. Why is that? Because nothing holy can reside in heaven. They have to go to hell or Hades. Or number two, the spirits in prison are the human spirits. I'll take that as an amen. The spirits in prison are the human spirits of those who perished in the flood of Noah's day. But why did Jesus preach to these spirits in Hades? Well, we don't know exactly why he did that. But in all probability, this preaching was Jesus proclaiming God's message And by doing that, he was pronouncing judgment on them. In other words, he's saying, guys, the devil tried to stop it. You didn't believe it, but I have finished what I said I was going to do. And now because of my death, y'all's fate is sealed. And those who believe in me will be with God for eternity. So he's going there and he's preaching the gospel to them. It says in verse 21, And that water is picture of baptism, which now saves you, talking about the flood. Not by removing dirt from your body, but as a response to God from a clean conscience. It is effective because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So what we see here is two things. Number one, Peter was saying that the water of the flood was symbolic of the new start God gave the earth at the flood. He's not saying that there was something spiritual in the water that saved him. It was symbolic. In the Old Testament, after God's judgment, think about it. Everything was cleansed. Everything was starting over. It was almost like when you, your phone goes nuts and then you read online and it says, oh, you must do a hard reset of your phone. So you do all the things and all of a sudden your phone comes back like the day you got it out of the box. That's kind of what the flood did. It made everything come back to the day we were created. And then in the New Testament, God's judgment is satisfied through Jesus Christ. You see, baptism symbolizes that in our lives. But Peter was careful to point out that it isn't the actual water washing of baptism that saves us. 
but it is the blood of Jesus Christ. So, as we round up our time today, Christ has resumed his position at the right hand of God. That is what it says at the end of this chapter. That Christ has resumed his position at the right hand of God. Folks, Peter proclaims the completeness of Jesus' work. The new covenant is set. His restored status will be ours for those who follow him. Just as Jesus is by God's side, we will be with God one day. Why? Because Jesus said he was going to die for our sins. He did die for our sins. And in that sacrifice, we were made whole. Jesus' suffering was our suffering. Jesus' restoration is our restoration. Folks, our connection with Jesus is similar, similar to the little boy that was flying a kite. The kite flew so high in the sky that he could no longer see it. So when somebody asked him how he knew it was still up there, he replied, I can feel it pulling on the string. Folks, we cannot see Jesus in heaven, but we can feel his pull on our lives, on our hearts, and on our minds. So suffering comes with believing in Jesus Christ. Suffering as a believer is just part of the Christian experience because Jesus suffered. You should not be surprised by suffering. And even when you do what is right, know God will reward you for your faith. Because suffering builds endurance, and endurance builds growth, and growth builds strength. Be ready to give a reason for your hope, and feel him pulling you towards him today. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for our time together today. Thank you for your word in the midst of being outside and having all of these technical difficulties and whatnot. People have been so great to hear your word. And so, Lord, if there is one suffering here today, may this message have encouraged them, Lord. If there is one here today that needs to give a reason for their hope, may they be motivated to do so. And if there's one person here today that does not know you as their Savior and Lord, may they make that right before they leave today, Lord. Thank you for your church. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for your son. Thank you for this day. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you. God bless.